0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Today on Church of the Week, Faith Fellowship of San Leandro. Diverse body of believers that looks a lot like the Bay Area. In fact, a lot like what heaven will look like. Joining me now is the Senior Pastor of Faith Fellowship, Pastor Vince Taylor. Pastor Taylor, wonderful to have you with us.
2: Uh, Good morning, Craig, and also Capex family. Good morning to you.
1: Great to spend a few moments with you, get a chance to know a bit about your heartbeat for ministry for the Bay Area and the exciting things going on at Faith Fellowship Church. First, I want to back up for a moment. I mentioned that you have been involved at a couple of capacities with the ministry for 23 years. That's a pretty long run. Tell us, how did all of that come about? And I understand uh, for the benefit of um, military folks out there that you spent quite a number of years in the United States Navy.
2: I surely did. And one day on a cruise, I was stationed aboard the USS New Jersey. We pulled into port in uh, at uh, what is that? the uh, the harbor there in San Francisco. Hunter's Point is what it was. We pulled in there and uh, we did a just a brief uh, time of leave there. And I got a chance to explore the Bay Area for the first time. Believe it or not, Craig, when I rode around with my friends just throughout the city. I said, you know, Lord, I would really like to live here one day. And lo and behold, uh, the next set of military orders that I got was to the Bay Area in 1984. And So so I came here and started attending faith fellowship, went to a Bible study, got a chance to meet some very, very good people, people that I know to this very day. I started to work at Faith Fellowship as a youth pastor and uh, just various different things, prayer ministry leader, not knowing that one day God would have in mind that I would serve here first as the senior associate and then the senior pastor. Uh, That happened in 1998 when I came here from Chicago after I retired from the military. And uh, it's been a ride. I was at first the senior associate pastor and now the senior pastor, and I'm loving it. This
1: is not your first involvement in full-time ministry. In fact, I understand. Had, Had you been involved in one capacity or another with ministry prior to your naval career?
2: Well, not prior to my Navy career, but while I was in the Navy, actually stationed in Chicago or Great Lakes, Illinois, I planted a church there with the Church of God organization. And that organization in 1996 and so I left that church in the hands of a very capable man and moved to the Bay Area after I retired. I mean, the Bay Area is just a beautiful place. How could I resist?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and as, as a lifelong native, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. And, and, and certainly much better winters than Chicago.
2: <laughs> well, so you've been there perhaps?
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, winter indeed.
2: is uh, pretty tough. Yeah, they it, call it the windy city for a reason. Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: Although there are places in San Francisco that, that can, I think, be competitive when it comes to the wind. <laughs> to to be I sure, think Mark
2: Twain said the coldest winter he ever spent was in uh, San Francisco. I,
1: I think he did indeed uh, say that, and I think we could all probably uh, concur with that. So when when God literally brought you out here with the Navy, you had a chance to see the San Francisco Bay Area. You prayed that prayer. Did you ever imagine that one day God would actually open up the door for you to call not only the Bay Area home, but to give you an opportunity to serve the Bay Area and reach Bay Areans for Christ?
2: You know, I got to be honest, Craig, I really didn't. I couldn't see that far ahead, but I could see that God was using my life and that I had um, had the opportunity to serve a lot of people, especially in the military as well. And uh I just had great opportunities, and I knew that ministry was in my future, and God began to open doors. And the good thing about it, when God does it, you don't have to knock doors down. He opens them for you.
1: You know, we often talk about, as we alluded to a moment ago, Bay Area has so many wonderful offerings. There's a lot of things to do here. There's a great climate. There's a lot to see. We're probably within an hour and a half, two hours of any sport you'd like, whether you want to go out and do a a little bit of of surfboarding in the Pacific Ocean or want to do some skiing in the mountains. We all have it here. But I would wonder if maybe what really makes the Bay Area special, beyond all that it has to offer, um, would be the people. And I made reference in my opening remarks today to what seems to be a, a unique hallmark of faith fellowship, and that is its diversity. That really and truly, but no pun intended, not only does it very much on a Sunday morning look like the Bay Area, it actually also looks like what heaven is going to look like. How much was the, the people of the Bay Area, and that sense of diversity, very attractive to you when you prayed that prayer, God, someday, if you will, send me to the San Francisco region?
2: I'll tell you, uh, being in the military and aboard ship, I got a chance to travel to a lot of different countries. The Philippines, um, you know, all parts of Europe or various parts of Europe, uh, the uh, South America, uh, just different places, uh, uh, Hong Kong and Japan. So I got a chance to see the world in what I thought was its beauty the differences, the the food, the culture, the way that people live life. And so I gained a real appreciation for diversity and the fact that God loves people everywhere and everybody has the same need, and that is they need Jesus. And so coming here, seeing all of these different uh, nationalities in one place, I mean, I think Washington, D.C. is probably the second most diverse place I think I've ever been, but seeing all of the different cultures together, it really blessed my heart and getting the chance to know people from every background. If, if you think about it long enough, you can really appreciate the differences versus find reasons to disagree. If you really think about it, people are just people, but they have different backgrounds and a lot to offer. And heaven is going to look just like the Bay Area. And I think it's my job right now to make heaven as the diverse as I possibly can.
1: And in that diversity, I'm, I'm curious, uh, it, people from the outside looking at the Bay region might say, well, as diverse as the area is, having a fairly diverse church is probably just sort of a natural occurrence. But I have to wonder, is it really, or does part of that sense of diversity as it relates to relating to others, understanding others, understanding not only their life experiences, but their life challenges and being able to uniquely minister to those needs and challenges. Does that happen by accident or is that more deliberate?
2: I think the outreach is very, very important uh, and the message by which we reach out to people. As I said earlier, everybody needs the same Lord Jesus Christ. But we do actively go after people and focus on Um, making friendships of all kinds, inviting people from every walk of life. In fact, you notice God filled the ark with every kind of animal. And I think that God wants his uh, kingdom to be filled exactly the same way. He made sure that he had everything aboard the ark. And so I believe that our efforts and outreach to different people, no matter what, and making our doors wide open for anyone is a major part of why that's so. Is that a key
1: part of the message as well in terms of, you know, our, our, our diversity is something that we celebrate. One of the hallmarks, though, of the Bay Area that, that oftentimes is quite challenging is the the lack of church attendance. In fact, the San Francisco Bay region has some of the lowest Per capita church attendance numbers in the nation, and some of our emphasis on uh, you know uh, education and things of that sort, kind of tends to make the Bay Area also a bastion for liberalism and 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 diverse religions, things of that sort. And I have to wonder, toward that end, as we as we endeavor to introduce people to Christ and invite them to come and be a part of the church, be a part of the body of believers, uh, do we have to strive to give people a sense? of being at home, being welcome, because so much of the Bay region has a tendency towards shunning such things?
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, you have to make people feel like they're uh, special to God first, and then you have to let them know in the various ways that you reach out to them. For example, being in the manor, uh, we often provide food boxes and different uh, things that are provided for us in the, uh, from the city of San Leandro. And we provide food and food baskets. And right now we do COVID testing, uh, every Tuesday in our parking lot. And so what that does, and the manor is full of every, uh, nationality around. What that does is says everybody has the same basic needs. And when they come to find those, um, you know, those things that they're looking for, we're there waiting for them. We also make it a point when we uh, start our services, we have greeters, people that meet you at the door with a hug, with kindness, with encouragement. And no matter what you look like, you probably are made to feel welcome because that is something that we uh, actually charge our leaders with, our greeters, our ushers with making people feel comfortable. So I don't believe it's an accident. I believe it's, a, it's something that we do on purpose. And people are just people, and they appreciate the same things. You care about me. You paid special attention to me. You made sure that I was comfortable, content. And then you brought a message that touched my heart. Your worship was simply amazing, which I think is something we do very well. People just leave with the same feeling, is that God loves them, and so do we.
1: Our conversation today with Pastor Vince Taylor from Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church of San Leandro continues in a moment.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to Church of the Week. Our special guest today is Pastor Vince Taylor, Senior Pastor from Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church of San Leandro. Pastor, I want to pick up where we left off just before the break. From a discipleship, from an outreach standpoint, that really is key, isn't it? In the sense that if I want to go and share my faith with another and share with them for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and give them a bit of an understanding scripturally as to what God's plan is for salvation and reconciliation, I guess it would be difficult to convince a person that God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die on your behalf if they can't see any evidence of love between us, or on the horizontal plane. In other words, if I'm going to convince you that Jesus loves you and God loves you, probably important that I start with in in the tangible world, also demonstrating that I love you too. I, I would wonder if that is even almost a, a, a mandate from from the sense of the love the Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, yeah. body, soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Do you think that's
2: true? I think that's very true. You know, I um, if you don't mind, I'll share a quick story. Is that. Um, Although I live here in the Bay Area now and traveled all over the country and parts of the world, I grew up in the South. And uh, one of the things I learned as, at an early age, Craig, and this is not one of my proudest moments, it's just my reality. It was a part of my upbringing that I had to learn very quickly that there was something unique about me that was not very much appreciated. And it was something that I couldn't change. And it was the color of my skin. And if you ever feel that, if you've ever felt that in reality, in life, and you knew it was intended to hurt, it will do one of two things to you. It'll make you very angry, or it will cause you to have a passion to never make anyone ever feel that same way. And I think that's part of the my story, at least, is that I never want anyone to feel what I felt as a child, realizing there was something about me that was uh, demanding all of this attention, but it wasn't something that was appealing. And I finally figured it out. And I think probably what was most disappointing is there's nothing I can actually do to change it. So I'm going to have to love me for me, but I'm going to have to make sure that I never make anyone feel the way I felt. And so part of my passion, part of my makeup is to express God's love, no matter what a person looks like, no matter where they're from, is to make them know through me in some form or fashion that God loves them and they're valuable and they are dearly loved, especially at Faith Fellowship Church.
1: I appreciate you sharing that because we do tend in our sin nature in our fallen condition that is the the, the plight of mankind um, we tend to uh set up classes we tend to treat certain peoples that maybe don't look like us act like us talk like us as second class citizens right. but the reality is in heaven there are no second class citizens i mean if, if anything scripturally, we understand that the angels are going to kind of you know, be, be down below us.
2: They might be a little offended, huh? That's exactly
1: <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I, I, I just think it's marvelous when you, when you, when you, the, the spirit quickens to your heart, the fact that each time someone bends the knee, and surrenders their life to Christ, that the angels in heaven rejoice. And God certainly rejoices too, because he's all about that relationship. And if there's any area that the church sometimes stumbles in, When really, practically speaking, we shouldn't, because if anybody should understand what reconciliation is and why it's so terribly important, that should be the church. Because after all, we who have received the greatest gift of salvation that reconciles us to the Father, we really need to learn from a practical standpoint, I think, and and you've not said this directly, but you're hinting at it, the notion of demonstrating what the reconciled, restored, renewed life looks like. So that as people say that, see that, they, they get a sense of not just a glimpse of what heaven looks like, but the kind of relationship that God wants with us, intimate, personal, deep, vibrant, living. And, you know, if we can model that kind of relationship amongst one another... I'm convinced that they would be beating the doors of the church down. We talk about going out into the highways and byways and compelling them to come in. What is more compelling than demonstrating the resurrection power and what true relationship, what true reconciliation looks like?
2: Amen. Craig, that's well said. I mean, that's just, that says it all. I mean, if Jesus would say he would leave the 99 and go after the one, If someone makes you feel like that one, that was so important that the Lord went after you personally on purpose. Uh, Making someone feel like that one is something that I want to do. And I want our people to do always to not to be a part of a group, but an individual that God loves and someone who special attention is paid to. It might feel like it's just to them, but it's actually to everybody. That's the goal, no matter what an individual looks like. And when church begins, we begin with welcoming people and having them look around the room and notice the diversity. That's done on purpose to make sure you know that you're worshiping in God's kingdom and what it will really, really look like. That's something we do intentionally.
1: And I, I'm 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 struck by the notion of while we were yet sinners, mm-hmm. Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people erroneously think in a methodology of of works and thinking that somehow if I just think right, live right, act right, I will then therefore become acceptable to God. When God says no, 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 in the mess that you're in right now, under that set of circumstances, full as you are now, I sent my son to pay the price on your behalf so that in him and through him, you can eventually become that completed work, that new creature in Christ Jesus. And I think, once again, that that notion of people being able to kind of get a glimpse of what heaven will look like in, 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 in everything that it means and sort of modeling that today, boy, if the church can understand how to do that, um as I alluded to a moment ago, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna see an amazing end times harvest, just as scripture tells us. But we as the church need to be prepared, don't we? We can, we have to kinda get our act together too.
2: Amen. That's right. Uh there's an old saying that we all probably use at one time. Were it not for his grace, where would I be? And understanding that's exactly what brought you to the Lord? Unmerited favor, something you could not earn nor deserve. And why should we try to make others earn it or deserve it? Just humble ourselves before the Lord. And I mean, Jesus put it best first, love God with all your being, and then extend that same love to your neighbor. Everything is, the whole law is encompassed in that. If we could do that very well, Love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, and soul, knowing where he brought us from. A simple way of putting it, we were all in that dark place, and God brought his marvelous light, Jesus, to to focus, that we could see and realize that darkness is where we came from, but light is where we're going. And now, for what God has done for me, Craig, I... I I could work a million years and make a million salaries and never even come close to paying the price of that he paid for me. And to think that the Lord loved me that much, I don't know that there are words to express my gratitude. I just can't find them right now.
1: His love is incomprehensible because it is unlimited, unbounding. And and that is the beauty and joy of what it means to walk in true fellowship with Christ and, and with one another. Of course, at the end of the day, in order to live it, we need to model it. We need to see what that looks like. We need to be mentored, which means we need discipleship. And discipleship always takes us back to the fundamentals of Scripture and the practical application of God's Word in our daily lives. It's not enough just to know it, read it, memorize it. You have to live it out. And a big part of what happens at faith fellowship every sunday is that proclamation of god's word that demonstrative living it out so that others can say wow whatever it is that you got i want some of that too well if you've just joined us our conversation today on church of the week with pastor vince taylor senior pastor of faith fellowship foursquare church of san leandro we'll get back to more of our dialogue right after this
0: and now back to lifeline with craig roberts
1: Welcome back to Church of the Week. Our special guest today is Pastor Vince Taylor, Senior Pastor from Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church of San Leandro. Pastor, I want to pick up where we left off just before the break. Somebody's new to the Bay Area. We're looking for a new church home. I've just heard Pastor Vince Taylor on on the radio, and I'd like to go check out that church on uh, the following Sunday morning. Tell us what that experience would be
2: like. Well, first of all, uh, and this is my personal feeling god started this whole creation with a family and everything else followed corporations governments and everything else followed the family so the first thing that i want to make known is that we're a family church we want to do something for every member of your family the babies the the middle-aged kids the youth the uh, young adults the the parents the marriage the Parenting and all of those things, we make it visible and make it known that we want to reach every member of a family. Noah probably wasn't the best evangelist because he didn't win a lot of people, but he sure won his family and got them on board. And so that is one of my heartfelt feelings is that all of us should at least uh first of all, do everything we can for our families. So we want to make that something that people see that we're a family church, that we love the whole idea of family, and we have something for every one of them. That's uh, probably first and foremost, one of the things they see when they come in. We have a youth building. We have a kids building. We have the main sanctuary for the adults. We have various ministries that meet the needs of people and where they're coming from. Um, Let's face it, there are men's issues, there are women issues. And uh, to have someone to talk to, to go to is very, very important. And what does God say about my condition? What does God say about where I am? Well, God has an answer. And I want on Sundays for people to walk away with a sense of God demonstrated something for me today. God answered one of my questions. God made me comfortable with certain things, or God challenged me with certain things today. And that's a part of our approach to bring the full counsel of God's Word. And everybody should leave having at least an hors d'oeuvre, perhaps.
1: I like that. You know, something I found on your website that it strikes me as a a wonderful summary of the heartbeat of not just your pulpit ministry, but the heartbeat of Faith Fellowship of San Leandro. And that is three words, worship, connect, serve. The idea, first and foremost, we need to have it together on the vertical plane in our relationship with God and his relationship with us. Secondarily, as we've been discussing, the horizontal plane, our relationship with each other, that's the connecting part. But sometimes churches will just sort of leave it there, not recognizing that as we invite them to come in, There also needs to be a going out. And that means, of course, that that sense of Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, that that serving aspect of it. So is, is an experience, is the life of the church at Faith Fellowship very much that idea of worshiping and that connectivity with God on the vertical, each other relationally, working together, supporting one another, loving one another, on the horizontal, and then that going out and serving in the community, a big part of what the emphasis is?
2: Absolutely. Now, this might sound a little self-serving, but I believe we have one of the best worship leaders in the Bay Area. I mean, she's really good. Yoshika McAllister is our leader. We have a choir led by Sister Pam Adams and Giovanni Wyatt. They're actually a mother and daughter team. And what they've done is put together, we put together every week, worship that people can appreciate. Not perfect, but worship that is genuine from the heart. And it draws people in. Now, I I also preach, but I also play the bass guitar. So I serve along with our worship team. (laughs) And uh, I'm not going to say how good I am or anything like that. I'll just go to the next (laughs) point. (laughs) But we do that together together. And the whole idea is to bring everybody into that worshipful experience. We need to know God personally. But after that, Greg, as you mentioned before, we want people to know that they have a purpose. They're not merely existing or aimless wanderers. They're people that God intended with a purpose. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. And there's a place for you here at Faith Fellowship. What is your gift? What is your talent? What is it that? God has given you that's very special and unique to you that we can use it to serve christ 's body. What is that? and so we open the door for that. We want to train people to make sure that they're able to carry out that task so that's a goal of ours to equip people to serve the the last thing that I would ever want to do and have experience being in a church is to be in a church. And having no sense of purpose or no one checking in to see what contribution I can make. And so I like to do that. I extend the opportunity for people to serve in various capacities all the time. Because if you're going to be a part of a church, you really need to be a part of it. And that means active. That means doing your part, as uh, Paul said, doing our part in the body, serving it. And so... I want people to know that just because you came in today and sat down and sang a few songs, that's a great beginning, but there's more. There's more. God made you with purpose. What is it? Use that gift or that talent that God gave you. Use it. And it's not small. If God gave it to you, it's of great worth.
1: And certainly, at the end of the day, while perhaps not everyone can do one thing, meaning they may not necessarily be as adept at playing the bass guitar or singing or whatever it might be, but everyone can do something. And your calling, your talents, your gifting, unique. Discovering what that is, putting that to work within the community for the sake of the kingdom, uh, not only gives us a sense of, of being and belonging, but a sense of purpose that takes us above and beyond ourselves and ultimately serves one another and serves the Lord. Finally, Pastor, for someone eavesdropping on our conversation today that says, Pastor, you know, I've, I've struggled. I've been involved in a church in times past, but I've had a bad experience and I'm I'm just fearful. I I don't want to be hurt again. People sometimes, you know, the the wounded, sometimes, you know, the old adage, we, we shoot our own wounded, things of that sort. What would you say to that individual listening to our conversation right now, they've heard your story, your heartbeat. To that person, what would be your message?
2: Well, I think the last place we ever expect to be hurt is at church. Unfortunately, it actually happens. And so teaching, apologizing, repenting, teaching, taking ownership of your actions when you offend, the Bible gives a very clear outline on how to deal with that. Uh, in, in our reality, every church, as soon as a person walks through the door, it becomes an imperfect church. So we have to understand that something's going to happen. There's going to be a mistake here or something said there, but our ability to heal ourselves in reconciliation and to go to one another, to have an open door policy in a sense. If someone brings a something to my attention, I actually try to deal with it personally and from the pulpit and making it very clear that there are some things that are just not going to be tolerated, and that's hurting people. Jesus said it would be better to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself over a mountain than to offend one of these, the least of them. And so I take that to heart. I don't want people hurt at faithfulness. I want them healed, actually. And so projecting that message in our ministries, projecting that message from the pulpit, I think it helps us greatly in dealing with uh, the challenges that we're just going to face. It's just every church, the best church on the planet, still has to have God's reconciliation plan available, God's plan of uh, healing, God's plan of restoring and rebuilding brokenness and relationships and people. And so we have that in place. Uh, First, you go to a brother. Second, take someone else with you. And then finally, if it doesn't resolve itself in those areas, then uh, bring it to me. And my job is is to deal with it And I believe in personal responsibility, Craig, people taking ownership, especially if you're going to serve. If you're wrong, admit it. I tell people at times in a different service to look at your neighbor and say, I'm sorry. And then they do that dutifully as I ask. And then I I say something like this. See, your lips didn't fall off, meaning (laughs) it won't kill you to do that. It just heals wounds. And I think they get it.
1: We are all broken, imperfect people on the road to healing and restoration. And, um, that, that rebuilding of our relationship, not only amongst one another as we've discussed, but most importantly that relationship that God wants to have with us. Pastor Vince Taylor, Senior Pastor at Faith Fellowship of San Leandro. Service times, by the way, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Wednesday evening fellowship and Bible study at 7 p.m. And they meet at 577 Manor Boulevard in San Leandro, right off the 880 Freeway. It's as easy to get to as almost being in your own backyard you want to get more information about the church the ministry of pastor taylor you can do so at faith-fellowship.us again that's faith-fellowship.us and pastor vince taylor we appreciate so much spending some time with you today
2: thank you craig i really appreciate it and i just want to say to everybody out there whoever you are you're welcome at faith fellowship Foursquare church you are welcome
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: As we work through our working life, we're oftentimes when we reach our fifties or so focused on that special moment, that time when you finally get to walk into the boss and say, that's it, I'm done. And you head off on retirement. When you think about it, there are a lot of good reasons to retire. But if you think even more seriously, there are many good reasons not to retire early as our host, Financial advisor and retirement planning specialist Pat fattucci explains, and pat boy it's it's easy to decide that we want to retire. far more difficult to decide when not to
3: retire early. Yeah, I don't want to talk about this today because i'm I you know most people want to retire early, so let's not even talk about this. I mean, come on, everybody wants to retire early, don't they? Well, maybe not. I have friends they tell me the worst thing they ever did was retire. They get up, they have their cup of coffee, they read their newspaper. They're done. It's 830. What do I do with the rest of the day? My body can't take playing tennis every day. I'm not as motivated. What are you going to do after you quit work? That's the big question. You can't pick up the phone and call your buddies. Hey, let's go fishing. Let's go play golf. Let's go play tennis. Let's go for a drive. They're working. They're tired at night. Remember those days when you work all day and you fought the traffic and you, you finally got home and you're full of energy and spunk and you want to say, "Wow, let's go and do something." And there's nobody to go out and play with. They're all still working. So, you have to know what you're going to do with your day after you quit. If you're a very social person, if you've got a lot of things on your to-do list and you enjoy doing them, then maybe you are a good candidate for retirement. But I got to tell you, a lot of folks that I counsel, they share with me that it ain't what it's cracked up to be. You know, we all need some intellectual stimuli. And if unfortunately or fortunately, our jobs create that environment that keeps us stimulated and motivated and social. There's always a social aspect. You go out to lunch with your buddies, maybe, or maybe you go out for a glass of wine after work. It's real important to understand and drill down as to what you are really thinking about. If you hate your job, it is not a reason to retire early. You need to find a different job. So working in an enjoyable environment is actually better than not working at all. Maybe you you don't like the people you work with. Maybe you don't like your boss, right? It's always the boss's fault why I actually retired. Take a parallel job in a different company. Find a job that doesn't pay as much, but the enjoyment factor is there you got to really do some introspection as to why you're considering retirement. How about money matters? Do you have enough in your cash flow to cover that payroll check that you will not receive any longer? There's the monetary review as well. There's the psychological impacts. We've just covered those. And then there's the real greenback matters. Do you have enough greenbacks coming in? Is your cash flow sufficient enough to keep you in the lifestyle you've grown accustomed? And do not. Do not say, well, I'm always going to make 10%. So therefore, I'm in great shape. No, pick a really small number, 4 or 5% perhaps. Be surprised on the upside, but don't put your rose-colored glasses on and say, oh, I'm always going to make 10%. and So I, I can live on 10% of my 401k, my IRA, my savings. Big, big mistake. Always err on the side of being very cautious. Have low expectations. It's always nice to have higher returns and you can... Buy that car you've always wanted. You can take that trip to where you ever want to go. It's all about, do you have a net worth goal that you've hit? Have you hit your milestone? That's called critical mass. You can't factor in the equity in your home if you're not going to sell it and buy down or move to a lesser cost area. Take the house right out of the equation. What is your investable dollars? What's a 4 or 5% reasonable return on those investments, and can I live very comfortably with that number? Do we often make a mistake, Pat, in that we might calculate what our
1: critical mass number looks like? And we're kind of watching two numbers. We're watching the number, the bottom line number that comes in on the quarterly statements, and then we're watching the number on the calendar. And when that date hits, we're all ready and charged up to run into the boss's office and fire ourselves, (laughs) but not really considering the fact that once we hit retirement, having a budget in place is really important because the overtime check's not going to be coming in anymore. The bonus check will not be there. And so if you haven't calculated what your expenses are going to be in retirement, that can be a critical mistake,
3: can't it? Yeah, uh, Mr. Rosenberg wrote an entire book on The Number. It's called The Number. Your number, my number is different from anybody else's. Your critical mass number, how much you need in your pile of cash to say, okay, I'm done. Now I'm working because I really love it. And that critical mass number, that number is different, sometimes significantly, and it's all predicated on your lifestyle. If you're the kind of family or couple or individual that their idea of retirement is sitting in front of the TV watching soap operas all day, its pretty inexpensive. In fact, it's very low cost. But if your idea of retirement is traveling a couple, three times a year to your favorite place or playing a lot of golf or whatever the issue is, what are the budgetary implications? So it, it is kind of an intersection of your critical mass number has been achieved and your age is such that, you know, you really say, okay, I'm tired now. My body is not holding up to that hour commute any longer. How about discussing it with your family? Certainly, you're going to discuss it with your spouse if you are married. It's probably a topic that dominates maybe the dinner topic at night. What do your kids think of of your tournament? Sometimes you get some real good wisdom from your children. If your parents are still around, talk to them about what they went through in deciding when it was time to pull the plug. Talk to your friends about it. Maybe even talk to a psychologist and finding out what you get from your job today and will you be as fulfilled when you pull the plug? And will you have enough stimulation of your everyday living? There are rows of books these days in the bookstore that covers retirement. How about a second career? There's a, a book I just bought, Your Second Act. And it really talks about what are you going to do for the rest of life, for the next 30 or 40 years. And it's got some wonderful implications. Are you going to be a hunter? Are you going to you take up a bow and arrow? And, or are you going to go join a bowling league? What floats your boat? And having time on your hands is something we just never experienced before. We've always been busy. We get up early. We drive to work. We come home. We're exhausted. We put in a 10 or 12 hour day and you have just enough energy to, you know, have dinner and sit in front of the boob too for an hour or so, or maybe go for a walk after work. But now you've got the entire day. How are you going to spend it? Are you going to be stimulated, psychologically fulfilled? financially fulfilled, all those issues, I would encourage our listeners to, to go to the bookstore, Google second act careers, and does that include volunteering? It is not sometimes an easy transition. A lot of folks have said, you know, it, it's not what I thought it was. Don't be surprised. Do some research before you go in and tell your boss, hey boss, sorry, I'm out of here.
1: And finally, Pat, before you tell your boss that, it might be helpful if you have that discussion with your spouse or other individuals maybe in the family that will be directly impacted by your decision, either because the change in income levels or maybe just because you're going to be around the house more.
3: Without a doubt. If you're going to be invading mom's space, her office, which is the kitchen and you're going to be hanging around. A lot of my retiree clients find it really difficult to reintroduce themselves to their spouse. And now they've got time to reacquaint themselves with each other all over again. And sometimes it's a, it's a beautiful thing and sometimes it, it's not. So be very uh, mindful of that adjustment for both spouses, especially if you know, you, you've been married and Now you're going to be spending a whole lot of time with each other.
1: So as we've learned, while reaching retirement early might be a laudable goal, just because you have enough money doesn't always mean it's the right choice for you.